You're listening to the Football Ramble. Too much Magaza, not enough Graza, but there's no beef in English football. Stop laughing, Vish. It's Thursday, the 15th of October. I'm Kate Mason. I'm Jim Campbell. And I'm Vidish Nataraja. so much a laugh as a look of extreme pain actually from Vish at that moment. No, I just I just didn't see where you were going with it. And I actually had a look at the running order to see if I could just I like you know, to keep as it you went through. Quiet. Nah, mm. yeah. I like to keep it under wraps so that I can get Fresh. a pure reaction. Yeah, and that well that was pure, wasn't it? Yeah, really pure and pained. Yeah. Well, you know. You, you smiled, Jim. That's yeah, nice. I did. Well I mean that's that's the uh, you know the risky take, isn't it, if you're hiding your intros from us. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Okay. I apologise. Bear in mind, yesterday the person who sat in that chair rinsed me at the end of the show, so I'm wary of anyone now. Mm. I, can't, I, can't, I can never trust again. Uh, uh, how are you feeling, by the way, actually? I meant to ask you about that. Because uh, it is Mental Health Month, and I don't, and you know, obviously Maguire, we need to talk about him being looked after, but more, more importantly, you, Vish. Me, yeah. I mean, to be honest, at the time I thought it was quite funny. I didn't know why she just kept messaging me that word throughout <laughs> the day, though. It's just so that you know. Yeah, and then just she called, to me, remind at, you. called me at 3 a.m. this morning, just shouting it down the phone. Are you sure that was her? Was it was it her number or was it one another another one of those calls in there? It wasn't from, what are you implying? It wasn't from her phone, but it was definitely her. <laughs> yeah. She's got quite a distinctive voice, I guess. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Awful, and, uh, awful person. This is. I mean, I feel like the thingy has come home to roost. Or whatever phrase here is Vish, because you chickens, in the early chickens come home. <laughs> to roost. Pussy, the what pussy I, has come home to roost. <laughs> <laughs> because um, I just hit my head against the thingy. Um, because when in the very early days of our collaboration, you said that you thought I was a big school bully, and then it turns out that the tiny little breach is the school, big school bully here. Yeah, I mean, you could still be a bully. Okay. Oh, yeah, right. You could have multiple bullies in a school. Yeah. Got it. Yeah, good point. That's Absolutely. why bullying is a problem. Full stop. It's that's just <laughs> restricted to one school. Yeah. <laughs> and that's also why we keep you apart. We're frightened of what will happen. You might form a little gang. Yeah. I don't. Well, I don't know. There's probably be a power struggle, wouldn't there? I'd, uh, I wouldn't be sure. Yeah, about. yeah, between you and Bridge. Yeah, who, I wonder who, who on earth is going to yeah. win that. <laughs> <laughs> Bloody hell! What a terrifying thought. <laughs> um, should we? Get, if, if everyone's all right with it, should we? Should we get to the football? Yeah. Do you do feel it. okay about that, Vish? I feel great. Am about I going the too quickly? Are you? Do you feel accommodated? No, no, no. I feel very accommodated. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Why don't you just do your job? How about yeah. That? <laughs> right. Instead of this grandstanding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shall I be the adult today, everyone? <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, I shall be. I'm the Gareth Southgate, your Harry Maguire, maybe. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, so England's, they went too early, didn't they? What they'd done, it's a bit like, um, it's a bit, it could, you could say it's a bit like Luke's game, that what they did was they beat the number one team in the world and then they went again too soon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Too pumped up. They couldn't, they should have left it. They should have pulled yeah. out. Yeah, yeah, should have just abandoned <laughs> that game. We're not. New Zealand aren't coming, so you know, Denmark go on, go home. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He knew Christian Eriksen knew the inside and out of Wembley. Obviously, played there quite a lot of times with Tottenham. Yeah. Don't give him the don't give him the satisfaction. God, Spurs at Wembley feels like a decade ago, yeah. doesn't it? God, thankfully, anyway, it was yes, one nil Denmark at Wembley. Harry Maguire. I had in my little notes after five minutes when he got his first yellow. Why is Harry Maguire getting yellow in the first five minutes for a completely unnecessary challenge? Mm. Um, But I did not foresee his 30th minute... Red card. I didn't. I didn't no. see it coming. But now, in retrospect, you feel as though you could have seen it coming. It was bad, wasn't it? It was really, really bad. Um, Martin Tyler said in the commentary, "It's a wretched period." It must be said in Harry Maguire's life. It's like, oh god, come. That's visceral. That is. Like, I feel, I feel like that's like over the top. And actually, 
I'm a, a little bit concerned about the, the narrative about around Maguire now because there are a lot of people saying like, oh, his mental health needs to be looked after and blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah. And I don't think that is for anyone else to say. I think that's quite a presumptuous thing and actually adds a layer of pressure on Maguire. Like if you've ever, if you've got a resting sad face like I have, um, sometimes people will say, is everything all right? It's like, yeah, no, everything is all right. That is, that is just my face. And people saying, is everything all right? Actually makes you feel worse. And this narrative being like, Harry Maguire is depressed is probably, it is adding an extra layer of pressure on him when it's something that he needs to deal with internally, the group needs to deal with internally. And they've, you know, Gareth Southgate and um, I forget who else was, was talking in the post-match about it. I think it was possibly Harry Kane uh, were, were talking about how he's, He's brilliant and he's, you know, everyone, you know, Declan Rice it was actually was talking about how he loves playing in front of him because he's so good on the ball, blah, blah, blah. And I think it's it's a good thing that England are doing that. And I just, I'm worried about this narrative. There's, I feel like we're at a tipping point with England now where this could be the beginning of the cycle of the press turning and Maguire becoming a bit of a lightning rod for that is is a concern, I think, because they always have people they pick on, don't they? And it looks like he could be that. That's, that's interesting you say that because I would be of a mind to say exactly the things that you said that. I, that people shouldn't say or certainly people shouldn't go on about because it's not our place to do so because I, I see that as a reaction to make sure that the criticism doesn't go overboard yeah and I wonder if maybe actually the language involved is just through ignorance rather than you know I suppose educational ignorance rather yeah. than actually being ignorant to, to I suppose struggles. it yeah. it does um, it throws a gauntlet down to anyone making criticism doesn't it it's yeah. like Keep this in mind before you do it. Yeah, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You know, it's certainly over the last few months where there have been loads of issues that we've had to learn about, you know, in our own space and in our own time. Mm. Um, I, I, yeah, maybe, but I mean, I, I again, I'm speaking for ignorance here. I didn't see anything particularly wrong with that. I thought it was, I, I thought it was actually quite a human way of talking about what poor form actually is yes. and the reasons behind it. Mm. I think it's a bit more than. I just feel a bit off today. Oh, my my well, my football thing isn't working today. Yeah. Maybe I've got to you know switch it off and start again. Because yeah. um, that yesterday was indicative of a bloke with a bit of certainly on the field. I'm talking about here with a cluttered mind because mm. there was no reason for making that first tackle. I, we joked on the show yes, yesterday that it would be quite funny to see Harry Maguire at the left wing back role, and yeah. there he was, there he the was, position half, tackling a person. You know, with all due respect to Yusuf Paulson, he's not the type of person who, on the turn, is going to create something out. You know, extraordinary. He was a forward in the wrong place who happened to be got out of jail by Harry Maguire's tackle. Even then, there were England had, you know, two players on the four. I think that Denmark had four on their point. And that touch for the second tackle was just yeah. just very, very bad. And that happens when your mind's elsewhere, right? Do yeah. you know what I mean? Because and he, he's got a good first touch so as well. We, sh- we should say this. Harry Maguire isn't some mug they've pulled off the street. Mm. Yeah. Harry Maguire is a very good defender on the ball and it just hasn't been working for him. Yeah. See, that's the narrative that goes around Maguire though, doesn't it? That when he, when he does make a mistake or when he is bad, it, there's this idea that he's a pub player, which is so wide of the mark. It's an aesthetic, isn't it? It is, yeah, I think it is so, 100% yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. And all those, because there were all those memes you around the World Cup when I think it was his girlfriend or his wife or yeah. someone and he's leaning up chatting to her and she's like quite fit and he's Harry Maguire and it was all like all those gags about yeah he's like like he's some guy in a club yeah yeah yeah, yeah 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 um I think it's also a narrative is it not also a narrative that we know well from being around the England team is it is it not something to do with um how people expect England Oh God, I really hope this is not the way the narrative is already going. But after all of the optimism and hope of of Russia 2018 and people not having put too much pressure on England, 
so it's probably quite a basic thing to say, but you know, suddenly now there is this optimism. We have the capacity to beat the the number one side in the world. Whether or not that was a grind, grinded out, gr- ground out, a ground out uh, uh, win, and whether or not this was an unlucky defeat, guys. Mm. Can I just come in and say that? Oh, absolutely. Like I don't want um, to attract a million pelters, but ah, whatever. Um, it was it was a one nil loss to a very good side off a. Um, a weird penalty. Yeah, a weird penalty and a lovely, well, you know, you'd expect Christian Eriksen to score those every day of the week. Um, the penalty, I didn't really understand fully why that was a penalty. Um, the red card, yes, that's a, I, I think we can set that aside probably. And the fact that England managed to create so many chances, there were a couple of moments where actually once where Harry Kane could, could have scored, but it got a bit like, it was very close range and he was a bit, it was a bit confused in the box, but there was a plenty of opportunities is what I'm saying. And with mm. 10 men and against a good side, a side that is the equal of England in many, many ways, whatever we might want to think because we invented the bloody game. Um, you know, <laughs> the fact is, yeah, we were free scoring last year in 2019 when we were playing... I don't know, San Marino and all those sorts of lads. Fine. I'd much rather see them. <laughs> I'd much sort of I love, as yeah. we know. I'd much rather see I'd much rather see us trying to grind out against opposition who are actually gonna make England improve yeah. by uh, experience. Yeah, yeah. And, and this isn't exactly a defeat that like throws everything, you know, that gives us reason to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Mm-hmm. Um I think the there were a lot to be learnt from it. I don't necessarily think three four three is probably the way to go. I know there's talk of it this morning about why don't England just go to a four three three. And the interesting thing about the three four three debate, um, and it was articulated by I think it was Jacob Steinberg uh of The Guardian on, on just on Twitter this morning actually, and he said that there's this idea that if you're if you're a bit dodgy defensively, just chuck another defender in there. And it doesn't really work like that because you end up actually focusing more energy that way and you take away from your primary asset, which yeah. is what you do going forward. So Yeah, it's it's kind of what we have we hold when you're one nil down. Yeah. It's yeah. not it's not ideal, is it? Um I I do feel going back to briefly what you were talking about, Kate, the the, the feel good factor does feel like it's really, really if it's not dissipated already, it's certainly in the process of that. There's this feeling that like over the lockdown, perhaps only Skype have dropped the ball more than England in terms of just like how different things are now. They're not even supposed to handle it. It's football. Yeah. Like, what the hell? Yeah, but it like there's a same old England feeling, isn't it? I think the fans are as, as sort of guilty is maybe not the right word, but I'm going to use it as, as guilty as anybody of that because you, you see the tide turning on Twitter. And I know you should only pay so much attention to that, but the shift in the mood is palpable. And barring some amazing performances in the next few games, we're like, Gaz and Baz and Daz from down the White Hart pick the team and play all the fan favourites. It, it, it's hard to see what, like how that's going to shift around again and bring back that feeling that we had to, at the World Cup. And maybe that is something we just have to kind of accept that actually the Euros might... There might be this weight of expectation on England that's really, really unfair. Because I still, coming out of this, I feel like Southgate didn't play what i would ex- what i would consider his best team at any stage and it makes me wonder if he knows what his best team is um because he mixed and matched it and obviously he's got to do that because he's only, he only got so many sort of chances to look at what those players do and he made but, the point about all the debuts that he'd handed absolutely to people so and, many Reece players James getting his first start and, well, oh, and also his first red for england but well, yeah but he mind. was brilliant <laughs> didn't he reese james was absolutely superb yeah he was brilliant yeah and and got sent off for swearing which i've got so much time for so I'm, um, you know, we do not condone. I condone swearing that. at the ref. Do we? <laughs> oh, no, we do a little bit. I'm, I'm, I'm into, oh, I'm into oh, it. Oh, I'm not really... from not from the stands. So, not from parents. At, um, you know, taking their children to football. 
I think from players. Mate, this is actually a massive bugbear of mine because I really feel like in the hierarchy of football, footballers are so venerated and get so many perks and get, and frankly, get paid so much. And, you know, just, I know, obviously, as we've discussed with Harry Maguire, lots of them are struggling emotionally and all those sorts of things. And they're human people too. But the fact is, they're on a pitch um, and they're holding the ecosystem of football only works if you have a referee who is paid respect. And so the fact is, referees are not paid respect and and they're treated with as much um, scrutiny and abuse as anybody in the world, probably. And so if there's a complete breakdown if you have even young players treating them without respect. And I just, yeah, like I used to love Gianluigi Buffon, but when he like abused um, Michael Oliver, that was the end for me. This is quite awkward because you I was, at, I don't know, because <laughs> I was, I was absolutely being facetious there <laughs> and you've jumped uh, yeah. on top of me and made a really, really good point. Um, it's annoying, absolutely isn't it? Absolutely spot on. And now I feel about this small. Um, <laughs> I feel you can't though. tell. You can't tell because this is you know, this is an audio medium, <laughs> and I'm kind of glad you can't see that. But um, but yeah, I mean, you you are spot on. I was trying to be a bit funny. Stick up for yourself, pussy. <laughs> 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 this is going to follow me around now. Jules Breach, if you're listening. Yeah, you see what you've done? You Look how proud of himself. Put Jim in, is. Oh, I wish Phineas does other people's need heads. to be a lovely audiovisual medium because I, Jim is so happy right now. <laughs> I just think when the whistle goes, the referee is just a bloke and you swear at him like you would any other stranger. <laughs> do you? Is that what you do? The human, no, human piñata for, yeah. for 90 Jim, minutes. stop swearing at random blokes in the street. You're yeah. going to get an asbo. Yeah, do they yeah. still exist? I think I so. Know. Yeah. I think, oh, I thought they... Anyway, you're going to get a new asbo. Yeah. They might create one especially for me. Special Jim Campbell award. What do yeah. we think of um, Declan Rice and Calvin Phillips in the middle? Because they are two players I noticed yesterday on Twitter that were kind of being played off against each other. Mm. Yes, which is a bit unfair, isn't it? I, I like them both, actually. I think um, Rice was very tidy against Belgium in the second half in particular. I think Phillips um, has been very, very good in both games. There were a couple of... Um, um, you may have seen on Twitter, Luke and I slightly disagree on this. Luke loves Calvin Phillips, and I think he's an excellent player as well. And but there, there were a couple of moments where misplaced pass here and there, and there was one hospital ball. It's fa- fair enough yeah. to say that he, he could have dealt with slightly better, but at the same time, it's a hospital ball, so you can't really blame him entirely for it. But I do, I think it's one or the other, you know. Yeah. And I, I, I think it's unfair on both of them really for them to they're, they're in each other's space, and they're they're both good at kind of dominating those spaces. Um, and I wonder if. Um, you know, Foden or even Mason Mount would be a nice kind of kind of partner in the middle there because Mount's playing further back for Chelsea. Um, I think it just, it does create that kind of stodgy midfield that we've touched on before to have two defensive players. But at the same time, we know that Southgate wants that platform for the more creative players f- further forward to build on. And they are doing that because they are creating chances. So I'm, I'm not sure where I stand on it. I, just, I feel like we haven't seen uh, a, a midfield where it's just just one of them enough. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm leaning towards Phillips. Maybe it's just because he's new and it's like having a new toy. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Well, they are they are very different players and they do very different things. And I think that sloppiness. And I, you know, so I was speaking to someone on Twitter about it yesterday, and they mentioned about how you know Phillips is sloppy, but he's kind of supposed to be sloppy. He he has to he his role for Leeds is to be ambitious, and the mm. reason he's been picked is by being 
an ambitious, you know, deep lying midfielder. So I think you, you're going to get that sloppiness. And I think the the thing that's always put to rice is that he's quite um, conservative in the way he plays. Yeah. But I think he's the type of player though who he plays for the role he has, not for the role he wants. He has to do a job for West Ham and he's very good at doing that role mm. and he's been picked to do that role for England. And I think this is probably where Southgate has got to come in and decide what he actually wants from this, from from any given eleven, really. Because you can pick those players you know, into your squad if you want to have them as, uh, you know, if you want the best 11 players in there. Evidently, Southgate isn't that kind of manager, which is a good thing. Yeah. But you still need to find those right players in there, which is why the clamour for Grealish is so pronounced. Mm. Because there is that guy who can come and create things out of nothing. And also... We're going back to the three four three thing here. The idea that you've got to, you know, lose one of him, Rashford, Sterling, Sancho, that doesn't particularly sit well with me because I think that's our strength. I don't think mm. we've got to cut off a nose to spot our face here. Yeah. I also think if you're playing a back three, you do afford yourself um, you know, that deep lying player that can actually, you know, be a little bit more risky, so to speak, unless all those back three players are right backs. Yes, yeah. <laughs> sort that out for a start. It's weird, There's something it? in the water. It's weird, isn't it? Because we, it's one thing not having, you know, that period in England, we mentioned this yesterday, sorry, but that not having a left-sided or rather a left-footed wide player on that side. But like, why, we've never had like a surplus like this before, have we? No. It's, we've got a team of right-backs. Yeah. Should we, genuinely. Should we, maybe we should export some of them. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah, well, like, that could be something that, that get some of that Brexit coin back. Yeah, we could trade with the US. I can't believe I just agreed. With Canada, that. <laughs> Canada, try and get Alfonso Davies. Yeah, yeah, that'd be ideal. Yeah, <laughs> swap a, two or three right backs for Alfonso Davies. Yeah, uh, if only countries How were clubs, as you said yesterday, yeah. <laughs> it would just be so much. But I mean, to be honest, England has got form for just nicking other people's players a little bit. So yeah. anyway, that's more a cricket thing, I guess. Well, I mean, Grealish and Rice, Whoa. we just mentioned. So. Yeah. yeah, and these lads. <laughs> <laughs> um, Put them in the British Museum. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Uh, do England have a discipline problem, would we say? And and I feel as though um, I'm not... There's two separate kinds of discipline, obviously, because there's this thing about... Is it tri- trips? It was the gambling issue that he's gone had to go and answer to some sort of gambling question. Yeah, that, I mean that that's been in the air for a while. Yeah, they've had to, they've, but that he's left. Yeah, he had to leave yeah. the squad, um, which I think you mentioned yesterday. And then, of course, there is the fact that there's what's it three reds in four games. I mean, you would say there was discipline problem when you square, but I yeah. think it's. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> oh my god! I didn't even notice what you'd done for a moment. You slipped it in there. Um, but, um, and I'm not I just also th- talking about Trippier, but also all this other stuff with Foden and yada yada yada. I yeah. mean, that is, I think that is Southgate. Maybe I'm, you know what? I feel like over the last couple of weeks, I've given Southgate a bit of slack. But I think he's you've given him a bit of slack. Oh, he's grateful. No, no, no. But in terms of like, I'm saying that he's trying to, whether it's tactically or I was about to say behaviourally, he's understanding how much he can trust these young players. Yeah. So he's giving them, you know, giving them a bit of rope. So you're and, saying you've been pro Southgate. So yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, but but I suppose when does it come a point where he actually needs to be decisive in, mm. in both those things? Well, he's cut people out of the squad, doesn't yeah, he? Exactly. And people, and with Foden, like someone we'd th- all like to see play, I think. Yeah. Kind of De Bruyne style. Yeah. And, I, and I think that there'll be a bit of a shake up there because they those two, even though they've got clearly got long careers ahead of them, there is a global tournament around the corner that yeah. they could easily miss out of because they're not going to get Do we think that's going to happen, by the way? I don't think it's going to happen. You no, don't think the Euros will happen? I think, I think it will happen without fans. That's my hot take. Well, it would have to and be... it can't happen in a million 
uh, countries, can it? No, I, I, I think I think it's going to be yeah, maybe three or four specific cities, isn't it? Yeah, possibly. But even still, I mean, bring it back to Lisbon. That seems to work. Mexico, no, do it in Mexico. If things go wrong, you do it in Mexico, don't you? Like the World Cup. Yeah. Do the Euros in Mexico. That's my hot take. That's my stupid hot take. Right. Could do it in New Zealand. They owe us. That's actually... Put out last minute. I mean, that's ludicrous, obviously, but it's also kind of a great shout. Although yeah. I'm not sure New Zealand would yeah, I'm not sure quarantine their entire that. country, given that they're the only country in the world that seems to have solved coronavirus to mm. some degree. Yeah. Yeah. Pull up the shutters. I think Kerala, weren't they quite good with coronavirus? You yeah. Go there. Okay. I don't know. You can plough into there. Probably. They love tourists in Kerala, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, the discipline thing is kind. Of, is it a good thing that it's that it's reared its head now, rather than like it being like two weeks before the tournament? Like players are out doing crazy stuff because he he does have a time to sort of you know sort it out. And even if publicly he's saying he doesn't think there's a discipline problem, he's an intelligent man. Clearly, there's something in the water within the squad where they. It's probably a lockdown thing. They're all getting frustrated. They're you know like everyone's going a bit strange in ways I don't necessarily recognise on the surface, and it's probably just frustration. Everyone's going a bit strange. Do you? Yeah, say? absolutely. Sorry. It just the lockdown is affecting people, isn't it? Oh, in right, in ways it? that aren't immediately obvious, I'm and really... I think players are human beings, as we know, so they're as vulnerable to that as anyone else. And, and the, I think that's probably why this is happening. Yeah, and the intensity with which people also, I suppose that's true of France as well. The intensity with which people are living. I know people live through football clubs and countries loads anyway, but probably the intensity is as great as it has ever Absolutely. been, given that people in many cases aren't really allowed to do much else other than watch football. Well, I wondered if, what, if that's why it seems that the discourse around Southgate is getting a bit spicy because mm. people are clutching on to what yeah. good things they have and, and football is one of a few good things and, and, you know, it provokes a reaction the other way as well. But I, I think you're spot on the frustrations of lockdown definitely will affect footballers. I, I don't think people realise how often footballers blow out. Yeah. As in, you know, I know you see the odd bit in the tabloids and stuff like that, but footballers are very good at kind of blowing off steam and mm. going away and doing it discreetly. And they haven't been able to do that at all. To yeah. be at the top of the game, everyone wants to be at the top of. It <laughs> takes an incredible amount of, of kind of mental strength and, and, and physical commitment and, and a, a lot of sacrifice. So, of course, you need to blow off sometimes. Preach, um, preaching to the choir, mate. <laughs> <laughs> He's an elite performer, yeah. isn't he? Um, and a pussy, apparently. Oh. <laughs> Uh, two of the <laughs> home nations getting lovely little 1-0 wins last night. Scotland 1-0 against Czech Republic and Bulgaria. Apologies, not a home nation, <laughs> Bulgaria. Wales in Bulgaria, 1-0 win there. Mm. Johnny Williams scoring his first goal for Wales. Just delighted afterwards, um, doing a great job in that one. He, he you know, wasn't sure he'd play for Wales uh, ever again, he said, it's been such a roller coaster for me. I've had so many highs in a Wales shirt, but at club level, I've been knocked back quite a few times. Plays for what, Charlton Athletic, I think, these days. But um, yes, yeah, so that was that was kind of a lovely one. Um, and good stuff from Lyndon Dykes, I thought, in the Scotland game, setting up Brian Fraser, yeah. uh, who said, we are now more willing to bail each other out. That's, that's, that's great from Scotland as well, isn't it? And it's good to see Ryan Fraser getting on the score sheet because he's one of those players where on paper you think, okay, Scotland have got some players here and then it doesn't quite gel. Yeah. Um, but that is starting to happen. Three wins in three in this international period for Scotland. It's brilliant. It's really, really good. I hope they can kick on. Do you ever watch those videos that um, FAs do, for example, where they like get the players to play each other at FIFA? So like the English FA yeah. will do it, the Scottish FA will do it. I know it's, you can't take too much from them, 
But if you look at what you know, some of the video content that Scott, uh, the Scottish FA have put out over the last couple of years, they really do seem to have quite a good group there, like quite a lovely core of players mm. who, who absolutely will bail each other out. Um, and I think one of the bigger one of the players who's been quite a big part of that, who isn't in the um, squad at the moment, is Robert Snodgrass coming back from injury. Mm. I think he's you know a senior player who's playing Premier League football. I think he might potentially go on loan to Celtic before this window closes, the domestic window. But um, yeah, they they do seem they do seem to have like quite a lot of fun there, and I don't think you could say that about a lot of Scottish setups in the past. Mm. Steve Clark pointed out how many there there were lots of Scottish Premiership sides represented in his first eleven, which is a sort of testament to the quality of Scottish football at the moment. All right, let's get to a break, guys. But before we do, let's point you in the direction of today's episode of On the Continent. Available now on Football Ramble Presents. Don't forget to subscribe to that separate. So it's a separate feed to Football Ramble. Um, if you haven't already, Donna Dubai and Andy Brassel are joined by Lars Siverton, but sadly not his dog, who I absolutely love, to discuss the waning influence of Antoine Griezmann, the improving fortunes of Norway's national side and the current situation around fans in European stadiums. Listen and subscribe via the Football Ramble Presents feed wherever you get your pods. Do it now. Now, time for a break. Hi, I'm Dion Dublin, and when I'm not banging my tube, I'm listening to the Football Ramble. I feel like we have that one every week these days. Welcome back to the Football Ramble. I remember when I was younger, and I used to watch Dion Dublin, and I used to be really impressed by how he'd head the ball. Mm. And because he was bald, it looked like he had a bigger head than most people. Yeah. So no, he, Yeah. Well, that, that's what that's what I perceived it as. He had a bigger <laughs> head. Um, so, so he used to get sent off. He got sent off a couple of times for headbutting someone. And for me, it was like a, he was using his superpower to hurt people. And it, it was really, I found it quite harrowing. Are you sort of frightened of him now? Yeah, a little bit because he was. He's got a powerful head. Mm. And now he goes around selling repossessed houses. Yeah, with the stairs up to the bedroom and seeming gentle, but maybe just waiting to mm. headbutt people and use his superpower. Yeah, I mean they are repossessed houses, aren't they? As oh, I understand yeah, it, are they, are oh, they houses yeah. that go to like auction? Oh, homes under the hammer. Yeah. Oh, is that why? I, d- I don't I know. I thought you could just auction your house if you wanted. Done well. I have no idea, but I just I, I I find it quite sad that somewhere someone's life has fallen into a situation where their house has been repossessed, and then Dion, Dion Dublin sells it on the telly. <gasps> Do you know what I mean, you would sit there and go, "How is how has this happened?" Oh my days! Yeah, imagine if you're just watching that. But I suppose you'd be watching it in your new house, wouldn't you? Well, well maybe not. You might just be not. Depends how in a far house. you've fallen, doesn't it? Yeah. You might be outside a, I don't know, a, sh- a TV shop window just watching it. Does that happen about where it went wrong. I don't know. I don't know. I've not thought this through. It's wow. always in films when there's like breaking superhero news. Yeah. People are watching it outside a TV shop. Yeah. Wow, that's taken a bit of a dark turn, hasn't it? Um, that's capitalism for you. Stop just reflexively agreeing with fish. <laughs> what he's on about? Uh, yeah, do do email in show at footballramble.com or tweet us at footballramble. Uh, Charlie Craven has done just that. He says, as a season ticket holder in the Romanian second division, do you think this is serious? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Wicked. I was delighted to hear it got a mention on the show yesterday. You cry over. 
were top of the league and flying, having just beaten the favourites for the league 5-0 on Saturday. So completely an unexplainable decision. This was a story of the man Napoli getting fired seven times. Mm. Um so yeah, that is inexplicable. And then Fish, you you've been in touch with this guy. I have, yeah, yeah. Saying who should I support in the Romanian second division? Looks like. And Charlie replied, "Well, I'm a Concordia." Sh- hmm. She I I reckon it might be she I no, because I reckon the J probably sounds a bit like an I. Oh, okay. Fan. Yeah. Uh, it's a little village just outside Bucharest. You've got bigger teams like Rapid Bucharest and. Uh, Petrolol, come on now, this one's got a uh, sedia on the S. How on earth am I going to do that? Ploiesta? Ploiesta? Anyway, tweet in, who have a lot of history and bigger fan bases. Just don't support Mioveni. Played seven, scored three, conceded two. It's like my kind of team. I like a bit of misery. A lot of drudge going on there. Mm. I don't know, it sounds quite lively to me. Okay, so basically we're all signed up to Cayenne. Yes. <laughs> there you go. I'm sure that'll be a huge boon for them. <laughs> well, well, the other day we were trying to recruit people to go and play for that poor old uh, Stoke Gabriel, that team that's conceded 122. I don't know if we've had... Guys, has anyone even heard about that? that? I want I want people to go and play in South Devon, Football Ramble listeners, to come and save the day. Do you not yeah. think the problem is that they're getting any old people to play for that team anyway? <laughs> we have very talented listeners, Vish. We don't know that. We must have some. I mean, yeah. Statistically, we must have some, but that doesn't mean they're going to like go down to Devon to play for this team. You should be so down on the listeners. I'm not down on the listeners. I'd, I'd be nothing without them. But, you know, let's be realistic. I'm being down on the listeners, actually, because um, we don't have any emails to read out today because we feel like the quality has dropped a little bit this week. Why are you saying that? What's wrong with you? <laughs> Send us your haikus. Get creative. <laughs> Write us a novel about the football ramble and email that in. Pictures, not those kind of pictures. Anything. Just just get involved. Get in touch, guys. We love hearing from you. And we make no value judgments on the things you send in. That's clearly not true, is it? Um, do I have to play the jingle again, guys? I think so, yeah. Do you want to slag that off, though? <laughs> Pete made that, put his heart and soul into it. Yeah, he paid someone to make it. All right, here it comes. Presented without comment. <laughs> right. Big picture. We barely knew you. Mm. It's done. It's gone. It has been dismissed with a unanimous vote of the 20 yeah. Premier League clubs. Can we just rest a moment on that? A unanimous vote. Yeah. How can, how given that Liverpool and Manchester United were responsible for presenting the concept of this, you know, six teams having the dominant votes mm. within the Premier League, 18 teams, money being given to the EFL, blah, 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 blah. They came up with it all. How can they then dismiss their own proposal unanimously? Uh, well, this is apparently why it was seen as such bad form when Leicester voted against it the, the, the first time, isn't it? Apparently, it's quite normal for them to just fall in line. And when there's a majority is clear, they all just go with it. Right. So, so they just—they're just like you've been protocol. stupid yourself. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> a bit of self-flagellation, which I, I can I, see from Man United. Not so much Liverpool. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think the crux of it though was that they all agreed that it couldn't—it wouldn't be passed through because they wouldn't get the right number of votes. Which right. is, I suppose, yeah, ties on what Jim was saying. But I mean, 
It's not going away, is it? All the proposals no. are, are still there. They're still there in the ether, if not on the table. Mm. And the seed has been sown in, in people's minds. And I know they're sorting out their own bailout. I think it was, what, 70 million or some, something? Yeah, 50 million it's significantly on top of what they, less, isn't it? Yeah. So, f- what, 50? It was 50 for League One and Two clubs, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. And there's some thinking that that's kind of the money they've saved themselves in parachute payments for West Brom and Fulham going straight back up to the Premier League. So it doesn't seem like that much of a gesture. Yeah, there are also right. loans involved, I believe. It is yeah, interest-free yeah, loans. loans. Yeah. So it's basically, I guess, with voting rights, you get 250 and without, you get 50. Unless the 200 is going to the championship, who hasn't really been mentioned so much in the... I don't think it is. Yeah. <laughs> so I should clarify as well that Leicester voted against the pay-per-view stuff, not the, uh, not the big picture thing. Um, but yes, it is, um, as you say, like it's out there now, isn't it? And it makes me, I do worry that that makes it inevitable. But, you know, the 39th game hasn't happened. That's and that, true. that everyone worried that now it's out there, it will, it will eventually happen. And I think, I think we're all concerned that eventually this leads to that European Super League that nobody really wants. Yeah. Um, and actually, I don't know, maybe maybe none of this stuff will happen, but it's, it's very clear <laughs> that the, what they want from the, the ideal world land grab is, is, is laid out bare now, isn't it? And I think there's, there's talk that John W. Henry um, is actually happy that the idea is that, that things will be discussed again at some point. So who knows? I guess watch this space for, for more on, on these attempts at, you know, the, the, the big six getting a bit more power. Just because people say stuff doesn't mean it has to happen. But I guess if you're the people with all the money and all the influence, then maybe it will ultimately. The problem I think they might have is, of course, the EFL clubs would have preferred, seem to have been largely behind it for for kind of understandable reasons to do yeah. with bailout and being supported and there's mm-hmm. 25% of uh, TV revenue. Um, the Premier League chief executive, Richard Masters, said his organisation had no beef with the EFL. Did he say that? He said no beef. Promise. That's oddly... Colloquial, yeah. isn't it? He's down. He's obviously down with the kids, just not the kids of the EFL. He says clearly there's some frustration. A proposal hadn't had any input from the Premier League. From our clubs has been pushed so hard in public. But we don't have. Oh no, sorry, a beef. Hmm. We don't have a beef with the EFL. <laughs> we have a good relationship with them. We're their biggest partner. There is. Um, we mentioned this on the show yesterday about how they do seem a bit closer aligned now because they've had to, I suppose, the fact that Parry has been involved in these talks and, you know, finally there's there does seem to be a bit of joined up thinking, even though it was kind of, you know, turfed out at the first opportunity. Miguel Delaney in The Independent made a note saying that this was the first Premier League meeting uh, where other members of the Big Six didn't align with Liverpool and Manchester United. Mm. I think before it was either assumed or they kind of, went in on it but this was the first time they actually said actually we do have some reservations about this which is quite important and uh, quite a unique sticking point I think the other thing to look at it is you kind of wonder who who comes out of this with a bit of credit and it does sound like the relationship between all the clubs hasn't totally soured bear in mind it wasn't like they were best mates anyway at the start of this process mm. um, and like Parry's quite an interesting one because you know does is he someone that himself feels that he's come out of this quite well because he's involved in those kind of high-scale talks or does he... So that's the EFL chairman, Rick Parry, yeah, talking about, who yeah. of course was part of the start of the Premier League back yes. in the day when football yeah. began in 92. Yes. Yeah. Um, and or, or is it there a sense that the other EFL chairman are looking at him thinking, right, we know what your ambitions are now. Yeah. You don't really care for us. You just want to be seen with them up there. Yeah. Get lost, Palpatine. <laughs> Get lost, what? Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that was actually addressed at me now. <laughs> um, yeah, so shelved for now, but 
either, depending on how you look at it, a good starting point that people are having these conversations and trying to work out how they might. It's kind of nice that we know what the what the evil scheme is, isn't it? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But is it is a scheme though going to get more evil from this point on? Because there's mm. nothing in the future that suggests that that the issues that they wanted to or that they said they were going to solve they're not going to get better by any other in any what, other way. With the EFL situation, yeah. yeah, because they've given they they they're, they're going to give a smaller amount now, aren't they? So yeah. in the future that will be well, we did that. You know, they had, you had the opportunity for us to kind of save the day a bit more, but we we've, we've given an amount, so it will come back up later, won't it? But, yeah, and I feel like just because of the the nature of of what we what, what Premier League football has become, or actually you know global football has become. They're not going to go with an offer that meets them a bit more halfway here, are they? They're just going to shrink their terms. And go, well, you didn't want that. So mm. now that you're in more strife, you know. Why don't you retrain? Why yeah. don't, you, why don't yes. you get a job in cyber, cyber EFL? We've all been trying. Yeah. <laughs> what does it mean to get into cyber? I don't, I don't know. It sounds quite scary, doesn't it? sounds it? a bit like an OnlyFans account, to be honest. <laughs> I thought it was like cyber security, which seems like something you need quite a lot of technical skills to work in. Although I suppose you could just be like a 13-year-old hacker. Go Can work you? for Norton Antivirus. You thought that mm. was the point, yeah? No, I was thinking more like GCHQ. Uh, getting in there. I don't know what they do, but s- secret things. But you could be like the people on 24 on their laptops and stuff. Yes. Mm. How to make laptop stuff seem dramatic. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> Low light and fast yeah. typing, I guess. Really fast typing. Swivel chair, obviously. Possibly obviously. a couple of computers. <laughs> well, you headsets. Well, we've got the headsets. You just need the little mic, don't you? Yeah. Well, that's more cool sensor, isn't it, I guess? Yeah, don't, I mean, that could be cool as well, if you wanted it to be. Is that right? Is that something in your post? I've no, no, oh, no, I've, no, I've worked in a call centre. Have you? Oh, I I've used done call calling as well. Yeah, I, I feel w- like it's good preparation for you broadcasting. Still do, you still do that now, don't yeah, you? Yeah, I so had, you need to make a fast buck. Stop heavy breathing. Stop I had a job. I, was, I, I don't think there was anyone <laughs> in the jewels. world who was, who was less suited to this job uh, than I was. I used to fix franking machines over the phone when I obviously don't know how to fix a franking machine when it's in front of me, even though people tried to, to, to show me, and it, I, I was so, so badly suited to it. So um, a franking machine is a thing for sending posts? But yeah, when you... To, to, basically putting stamps on post really quickly when you're a big company that needs to send loads of it out. I, I did successfully fix Aston Villas once, which I was very pr- proud of, Aww. but I was so bad at that job to the point where all the bosses hated me. Um, it, yeah. It's called Neo Post, which sounds dystopian, doesn't it? Fuck you, Neo Post, if anyone's <laughs> listening from there. I used to work for a medical research company where I had to be trained to take blood and give people um, ECGs. Yeah, wow. Genuinely. Is that allowed? Well, I did it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it oh is. Oh my allowed. god, imagine if you turn out you're going to get your blood tests and then Vish rocks up Why holding a syringe. Me? What's wrong with me? <laughs> holding a syringe and a manic grin. Like, I'm here to is take your blood like, from you. That's my face. <laughs> I'd assumed you'd grin. been trained. Yeah. Were you? Yeah, I was trained. Right. Yeah, yeah. 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 Just <laughs> suck it out. <laughs> well, I spit it into a container. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fucking bear grills. Um, no, I did that. Yeah, yeah. I had to. I had to. I had like a. I had to wear um like a, an outfit and everything. I an, an outfit, <laughs> just of I'd, your choice. Fancy like, dress, you know, like blood a, a, doctor, like a, um, like a vampire outfit, but like a nurse's outfit, basically. So like a, a white top and um, teal trousers. <laughs> this isn't a lie, by the way. This generally happens. Yeah. <laughs> Something equally dystopian. Should we quickly get on to before we get out of here? Ariel Rami, former formerly of you know various places, including Valencia and Seville and Marseille, of course. Um, he's been doing 
as he as is his want, I think it's fair to say he's been saying entertaining things. Yeah, um, in he's an interview, superb value, isn't he? I do, Remy. Because of course he is. I mean, to be honest, yeah, he played football, but probably his main. He's mainly known for dating Pamela Anderson. <laughs> I, think he's, I think he's known for the football. Yeah. He's just become... <laughs> These days in popular culture. Yeah. Because yeah. he's constantly coming out, or friends of Adil Rami, are constantly coming out with chat like, oh, I used to do it 12... He, <laughs> my mate Adil Rami used to do it 12 times a night with Pamela Anderson. So that wasn't from him? <laughs> The 12 times a night thing. I well, thought that was, it was from, from him. A, well, it was from, from a pal, isn't it? These these tabloid pals. Is he, one of the, is he getting to, to that situation where he's like a D-list celebrity calling up Hello Magazine saying that he spotted himself in the high street? I, yeah. I, I did it I yeah. Live next door. In the day. Look, we look, don't look, know. He, he looked really knackered. Probably probably having too much sex. sex. Yeah. How yeah. many times? Put that, put that. 12 to 12 times? Put that. Put 12. A nice round dozen. Yeah. <laughs> Bizarre. <laughs> uh, anyway, this is, that was not the subject of this particular interview in Mays Football. Um, he says he could have had a better career if I'd had a better lifestyle. <laughs> Less sex, perhaps. Uh, too many acting uh, outings, too many girls. And I didn't pay attention to my weight. My big problem was the food. Oh, bless him. I love eating. Yeah, it sounds like my. Um, I did my uh, Patreon ideal career, fantasy career mm. with Marcus. Yeah, you killed Pete, I believe. Uh, yeah, no, I, he didn't. I, he tried to save Pete. Tried Jim, to save this Pete. has been misrepresented yeah. right, many exactly, in many yeah. media outlets, and but, I expected better of you. <laughs> but my thing was going to Get France. Used to that. <laughs> I ended going to France and eating a lot. So. Uh. Yeah, so well, you empathise. You're the sort of Adil Rami of the uh, football ramble. Yeah, sort of. Apart from the first bit, <laughs> but yeah, mostly the ballooning and the eating. Yeah, it reminds me of um, when Ant- um, Antonio Cassano was interviewed about his plans for after football, and so it was put to him like, "What are you going to do after football?" And he said, "I plan to eat everything." Yeah, and I really respect that. That's, I mean, that, that's Presumably just a great that's... way to be. Yeah. Exactly. The idea that you could fulfil a, a life of, you know, of, you know, success. Yeah, well, but but of a bit of excellence as well, physical excellence, playing a sport that demands so much of your body, yeah, and then rewarding your body after that, yeah, for years on end. I yeah. mean, we've not heard from Cassano in a while. Maybe he's in some silo somewhere, just like eating through as much as he can handle. Guys, I don't. I want to go off one one about this after the misunderstanding about referees, but I don't. Know. Go on, do it, do it. I don't do know it. if eat. I don't know if eating everything is a sign of a healthy and happy. Well, mind. he's not eating the cutlery, is he? Even <laughs> if he is, if, I don't he? think eating metal is the extent of it. I don't feel like you know. I think if you're eating 600 Black Forest Gattos or whatever they're called and 15 Nandos every meal, I just don't think that's a symptom that you're doing well in yourself. No, but I think he sees the reward of having to live such a strict lifestyle and wanting those indulgences. I don't think it's a particularly bad thing. And I don't, you know, unless he's like massively ballooned and he's in like physical strife, then obviously that's not something to lord, but I, I don't have a problem with it. Yeah, no. right. Have you seen Britain's Super Eaters or whatever it's called? The competitive. Have we talked about this before? Competitive eating. No, Where no. It's but about pa- it's about pace as well as right. yeah. amount. And they did this set experiment. It was a channel. It's probably a Channel Four thing, wasn't it? Let's yeah. face it. And they showed one of the guys what his belly effectively would look like after all of the stuff that he's ingested into it. And it was like you know three times the su- size of his actual. Physical body, I don't really know how well, that could not, work. <laughs> not a competitive eater, though, is he? No, I think, he's I think not. We don't know the pace of it. Yeah, it could yeah. Be I think it. he's just eating carbs more. It'd be a hell of a career shift, wouldn't it? <laughs> well, they consider a... themselves athletes, so maybe actually the the, the super eaters that is oh. rather than footballers. Um, so it would be. I mean, presumably they do as well. Yeah, 
No, I, I'm I'm a fan of it, and especially you know, given the part of the world he's in, that yeah. you're gonna get some of the best carbs in the world there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> covered in cheese. Mm. Absolutely. Okay. What yeah. a life. Oh, well, Adil Rami as well. What a life. I take it back. I they they it should back. be mates. They they would get on. Does I he seem like be... a f- person who has a lot of friends, Adil Rami? It sounds like it. They may be temporary, but like. <laughs> <laughs> he also said he fell out with the president of Marseille. Um, for oh well, obviously because he he sacked him for alleged misconduct. He said, uh, "I love the club and the fans, but there is one person I hate. He is used to working with Mickey and Goofy." Um, right, and believes that it is the same in the world of football. He disrespected me, and people don't know the real reasons for leaving Marseille. I can't talk about it yet, but one day we will know the truth. Tell us the truth, Rami. That he's coy about. Yeah. End of the interview on a cliffhanger. Yeah. (laughs) So I assume this was because the president of Marseille used to work with Disney or at Disney. Yeah. Um, It's not just some weird shade that he's throwing. (laughs) It is weird shade, (laughs) but it's just not subtle. I I like the way that like he he would start his day with a conference call with Mickey and Goofy. (laughs) (laughs) He's working with them. They're not under his employ. They're co-workers. (laughs) Got any plans for the day, Mickey? Why does a mouse own a dog? And why is one of his mates an anthropomorphic dog? That's does, what I'd want to know. Mickey Mouse, Mickey Mouse owns Pluto, doesn't he? But Goofy's also sort of a dog. Which one's Pluto? Pluto's the big yellow dog that's Mickey Mouse's dog. It's all very weird in the Disney universe. Right, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. If anyone understands that, do, and, and, do let us know. And it took me a while when I was younger to realise that Mickey and Minnie Mouse weren't brother and sister. No. <laughs> they're actually going out. Yeah, they're just... Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, really? They're like yeah. face twins. <laughs> You yeah. see, you get those Why do they look so alike? It's well, yeah, couples, sometimes couples do look alike, don't yeah. they? That They're both narcissists. They're like, oh, that person looks like me. They must be amazing. God, that's an I'm now, I'm now Im- imagining some like, American psycho cell situation there, so let's kind of move on. <laughs> okay, well, I think we're going to move on out the door, mate. Yeah, so please. do you want to end on that, or do, do you feel okay to end with American psycho? Yeah. <laughs> going to head out into the sunshine. Yeah, I'm not on for another few days. Yeah, why not? All right, <laughs> yeah. that. Let's drop that and leave it in here. Well, it's been a lovely, lovely little morning together, guys. I think we can all agree. You still all right, Vish? I'm still good, yeah. All right, yeah. say bye then. Bye. Oh, he said bye today. Okay, he's obviously back on track. Say bye, Jim. Bye. Tomorrow it is Marcus, Andy and Luke. Tune in. Take care. This was a Stakhanov production and part of the Acast Creative Network.